from the social justice classroom inside Hugh Boyd Secondary, this is Voices. A youth-created podcast driven by a steadfast commitment to improving the world around us. Like two sides of a coin, the Industrial Revolution is both a significant achievement for humanity and a catalyst for the most concerning issue in modern society. Climate change is a rising issue because of its dangerous effect on the natural environment and its ability to endanger the human population. To learn more about this issue and the role the municipal governments are playing in tackling this issue, we are honored to be interviewing Kathy Passon, who is the Climate Policy Manager for the City of Vancouver. She was an Assistant Civil for Engineer for five years at UBC and also worked as a senior policy advisor in New York City's Mayor Office of Climate Policy and Programs. Welcome, Kathy, and thank you for joining our podcast, Voices. Today, you are here with uh, Peter and Kala. To start off, can you tell us a little bit about what you aim to achieve with your role as the Climate Policy Manager for the City of Vancouver? Sure thing. First off, thank you so much for inviting me to be here on your on your yeah. podcast. It's yeah. it's a real honor to be here. Um, yeah, so I am the climate policy manager with the city of Vancouver. And um, so the city declared a climate emergency in 2019. So we do have a what is called a climate emergency action plan. So what we're trying to achieve as a city um as the city of Vancouver and, and citywide is a 50% reduction in our greenhouse gas emissions by 2030 and leading to um, eliminating carbon pollution by 2050. And, and, and it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough go for sure, but yeah. that, that's what we're trying to do to stay in line with the um, commitments that were made, international commitments. Um, we were all called on to achieve a 1.5 degrees Celsius limit yeah. to global warming mm-hmm. um, to avoid the harshest realities yeah. of a changing climate. So, yeah. so you so you do believe that this is like an attainable goal for the current state of the city, if you think. Yeah, you mean the city itself yeah. achieving the fifty yeah. percent reduction? Yeah, I definitely believe that the city can do this if we uh-huh. make the right decisions and if yeah. we. Um, if we, if we, yeah, if we all work together to do this, it's, it's not, so the city does, um, it's not all under the city's control. Obviously yeah. we have our own powers, but we have to work with our part with our partners, uh, different levels of government and really shift culture towards, um, reaching this goal right. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So like how much of the plans that, uh, you're talking about like involves things like adaptation mitigation right because that i feel like that's a huge part of climate change especially because i honestly see adaptation as more of like a transit as a transition process where like people are slowly getting adjusted to the different changes and mitigation as like the big changes that we're going to make in the future hopefully so do you think that will be effective in vancouver yeah, so we actually have two different strategies or plans. We have the Climate Emergency Action Plan, which is really focused on mitigation. Yeah. And so climate change mitigation, that's uh, defined as like trying to stop the warming, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. So what can we do to, to mitigate um, to mitigate that. The adaptation is what do we do to make sure that we're adapting to these changes in climate? So things mm-hmm. like the heat dome that um, everyone faced in uh, uh, oh, two summers ago or last summer. Anyway, it's uh, the recent heat dome in Vancouver in British Columbia. 
making sure that we're making adjustments in our infrastructure, how we live to better adapt to those um, these these changing impacts or this changing climate, things like flooding as well. So that that's the adaptation piece. And so as a city, we need to do both. We yeah. need to both try to just switch our, um, make sure that we're uh, limiting warming and at the same time that we're adapting to these changes that, that we right. know are occurring right now. Yeah. Yeah. So we noticed that natural gas usage in buildings accounts for 57% of Vancouver's carbon emissions. So what would you suggest for homeowners to make their homes more eco-friendly? Yeah, so there's a, a lot of things that you can do, and the city of Vancouver has done quite a bit to date. You, um, there's been a lot in terms of like energy efficiency. We have the powers in the city of Vancouver under the Vancouver Charter. We sort of are uh, different than other municipalities in that way. We have powers to look at our building code and um, put in different requirements. So we've um, we've actually done really well in terms of you know putting in requirements for new buildings, but there's a lot of existing buildings out there, right? That are going yeah. to still be here. Yeah. I think the number is like 60% of all buildings that are standing today are gonna be in place in 2050. So yeah. how what, what do we do about these existing buildings? Yeah. And so you're right, the majority of our emissions are from, um, natural gas and fossil fuel use. Mm -hmm. um, so um, a big part of what we need to do is fuel switching. Yeah. And so energy efficiency, making sure we use a lot less energy, but where we can also switch our, our energy supply. So within buildings, uh, a big move that we're trying to push for is looking at heat pumps. So using um, switching to electricity as that energy supply and a a big benefit of heat pumps is actually that it's a good adaptation move as well because it supplies cooling at the same time as heating. So it's there's a lot of buildings in Vancouver that don't provide cooling during the summer or during things like the heat dome. So having that in your house um, has both mitigation and adaptation uh, right. effects. Yeah, well, it's just like a segue question for me. So sure. uh, we were watching a documentary in social justice, actually, about uh, climate change. Yeah. Um, so it was for me, it was surprising, like how like how many people actually don't believe in climate change or mm. they're a surprising amount of people think of it as, as a hoax because of I don't know why it could be the influence of the companies. But do you think with those people, right, is it still possible to somehow come with a come up to a solution for climate change? Because there's a vast majority of people who think out there that climate change isn't real. In America, at least. I don't know about Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's uh, likely the case here, too. And yeah. there's, you know, um, uh, that's a function of media and our circles that we all exist in. Mm -hmm. um, so we do struggle at the city in terms of the disinformation that's out there as well. Yeah. Um, and that's very real. So, so one of our strategies is really, you know, how, making sure that we're getting the messages out there, providing education where we can. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it, it's definitely real. I think what a big thing is like climate change and addressing climate change provides a lot of benefits to folks, a lot that people care about. Some things, so things that are very real, like the heat dome, air quality, you know, the fact that folks can't um, go out 
for a hike on a day right. when air quality is really bad. So I think really reaching people in terms of, you know, things that matter to them and uh, communicating that as the benefits, things like speaking about like impacts on their own ch children and future generations and how it's going to impact them individually. I think getting that message out can ha can also have an impact. So, um, mm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, as you know, we've recently been in a pandemic. So how would you think COVID-19 has affected the way we are using and consuming energy and even for travel? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's a really interesting one. I think the most unfortunate thing is for, um, uh, I think the hit on public transit was really hard, oh, yeah. definitely mm -hmm. through uh, the pandemic. Uh, what we've seen at the city is a... Uh, um, a slight increase actually in emissions mm. uh, post pandemic. Oh, wow. um, so, but I think um, one thing to really look at is um, how cities have kind of transitioned in response to the pandemic in a positive way. So a lot of the opening up of space or reallocating space in, um, in roadways. So even looking at Beach Avenue in Vancouver and how, um, how that laneway was put in for bikes and dedicated right. to bikes in a very quick way to write an attempt what is was considered temporary so these changes are very possible and it can be done in a short period of time uh, looking at Paris Paris has done amazing things in terms of shifting from the car to the bicycle and mm. opening up those spaces and I think what one of the big learnings from the pandemic is like we can make change quite quickly if the intent is really there. And I think that's that's one big learning that we should take right. away from that. Right. Well, it's interesting yeah. that you mentioned biking, right? So we we actually uh, were reading your um, little page on UBC about your advocacy for biking. And we were oh. thinking like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were thinking like, what actually motivated you to start biking? Uh, yeah, the page at UBC. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. when I worked there. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, what motivated me to bike? Yeah. Oh, I I've biked for so long. It's hard <laughs> to think back <laughs> to the but there's lots of things that have motivated uh, me through time. Yeah. I guess, you know, I I am committed to living a, a low carbon life, yeah. so that's that's a big part of why I bike. It also provides me, you know, exercise in a very efficient way, which has been great. Mm -hmm. Right. Um Wow, it's it's a very meditative thing for yeah, me to yeah. do. So it provides me balance in my yeah. life and that time alone to just sort of uh, think on my own. Yeah, um, it's just enjoyable. It is so much more enjoyable for me to be in, on a bicycle than to you know at a, at the time where I was younger or a student. Mm -hmm. So much better than being on the 99 bus <laughs> going to UBC uh -huh. um, to be on a bicycle. Um, you have a lot more freedom, I feel. You can yeah. go in different, you know, you you have control of when you go and when you leave places. Um, what else? Yeah. And I guess, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of driving either. Right. So in many ways, I don't like the carbon that's associated yeah. with driving. I feel it's there's the, the um, primacy of of cars on roads. I, I don't think it's equitable. There's a lot of folks that take transit, lots of folks that can't afford a car or choose not to drive a car. Yeah. Um, but we still really prioritize the car in our streets. So I don't like that 
part of it, that it's not equitable. Um, and I think we can just make better use of our streets. So I, um, yeah, there's so many benefits in terms of air, air quality, health, etc. So lots of reasons for me to bike yeah. for sure. And it's a wonderful thing for me to do with my family and my son as well. And um, yeah. 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 This, um, this, um, moving, talking about cars, right? So like cars are <laughs> mainly dependent on fossil fuels and stuff like that. So how much do you think like the climate change has been affected by like these major fossil fuel companies such as Shell or something like that, right? Because um, for example, if you were to look at Alberta, they're clearing out like huge sections of forest just to uh, uh, dig up for some oil mining, right? And going through that, those refineries. So what do you think about that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, for sure. I mean, um, yeah. we've, uh, we've depended on oil for a yeah. very long time and on fossil fuels, and we've built out our systems as uh, in reflection of that. So we yeah. have, I think one of the hardest things to, to deal with as a society today is the infrastructure that we've built that has been centered around fossil fuel use, has been centered around the use of the fossil fuels like in things, things right. like cars. Right. And, um, you know, investments in this infrastructure, these are long-term investments, right? right. Yeah. So I think one of the big things in terms of energy supply is understanding how do we transition away from yeah. this everything has been built within our urban fabric to yeah. depend on these things so yeah, yes it plays a big role yeah. <laughs> for sure like we're, we're yeah. heavily dependent on like this unhealthy consumption lifestyle that we've led so far because you know i i think as countries are getting richer right they want to get a taste of like what america and canada has been tasting for a few like 100 years now right so that's why I think we're not seeing um, as much of a change in uh, our climate effects. But I think hopefully in the future, like countries will start to realize that, you know, maybe it's not all good of living the American lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, there's definitely inequities on the global scale yeah. there. And I think where where things might be hopeful and if there's ways that we can support this, even, you know, the the conversations around loss and damages within yeah. cop 27 things like that and if there's ways that we can um global north countries can support you know the transitioning or provision of energy supply which is renewable energy mm -hmm. infrastructure it's almost like a leapfrogging right there's yeah. a lot of folks in the world that don't have access to things like electricity so right. if we can put that help to put that infrastructure in which is renewable that that of course helps um move that away without yeah because it's yeah anyway yeah so there's that <laughs> yeah yeah so like to finally like wrap this all up do you believe that the actions we are currently taking today like especially locally is enough to stall the inevitable long-term effects of global warming and climate change um i think it's I, we know what our role needs to be here right. I, we're not going fast enough yeah. um yeah, I, I know that from even our modeling work and the work we're doing in the city um we know that we have fallen behind in terms of our targets for mm -hmm. sure um and there's more that needs to be done we're doing work on trying to figure out we are given a mandate actually as part of the vancouver plan to try to understand how can we accelerate our actions 
to, to make sure that we're on the path to hitting our target. So there's, there's a lot of work to do mm -hmm. um, on many different levels. And I think we have to move forward on all fronts and it, it's, it's a tough one, right? It's not just right. technical solutions. There's, you know, a lot of things at play and a lot of collaboration um, and political will and a willingness in, in terms of all of us <laughs> yeah. to really move forward on this. So, um, yeah. 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 So uh, thank you so much, Kathy, for answering all of our questions and thank having you. this <laughs> wonderful conversation with us. Yeah, so, you're yeah. welcome. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing your knowledge about, you know, how what Vancouver is doing for the foreseeable future. And yeah. hopefully everything works out well. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so yeah. happy that you actually have this podcast. And it was yeah. really, a, it's a pleasure to speak with you, right. both of you. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. Okay. Thank Good. you.